NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at SaveWithConrad.com. Wouldn't 2022 be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had, pay off your credit card debt, and even get the cash you need right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to DDP Snake Pit. And of course, we couldn't do it without a pair of Hall of Famers. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, how are you, man? Wonderful. Glad to see you. And of course, we couldn't do it without the man himself, DDP. Diamond Dallas Page, how are you, buddy? Like the shirt says, positively unstoppable. And so is our new podcast, and so is Heels. You know, we started off last week talking about Heels. I thought we would just jump right into it. Uh, you guys recently re-reviewed episode five swerve, uh, and, and this is, uh, an interesting one because all of a sudden now we've got some interest from the Georgia state fair, and, uh, maybe they're interested in a little wrestling Jake, before we jump into the episode, you ever work any state fairs back in your day? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Man, I, I, I've worked several state fairs and, uh, had some great memories from them. You know, uh, I remember we did one in uh, Colorado Springs and uh, it rained. We were outside and it, it rained about seven inches the day before. And we're in, a, we're in the rodeo arena. So that mud is about knee deep. Oh, my wow. God. Oh, it's <laughs> crazy. So one man gang and I took our match outside the ring and had a blast. We were sliding in the mud. How old were you then? Too old. <laughs> uh, I'd already left the WWF and WWE and all that. And, uh, it was a blast, man. We, we chunked each other in the mud and, uh, God, it took me about a week to get the mud out of my ears and ever all the other crevices, but, um, it was fun. A lot of excitement at the state fair. You know, you get a lot of different kinds of people, not just wrestling fans. A lot of people don't know what they're going in there to see. Right. They seen more than they wanted. Well, uh, DDP, what'd you think of this episode of heels? What were your notes you know, this week? I, I, want, I want to back, I just want to back it up. Cause now we can talk about four, right? You know, so if you're, it's a spoiler alert, going to talk about it a little bit of, uh, um, the stuff that actually happened on that episode. And I want to say that, man, while bill really stepped up in that last episode, so much and, like me. Yeah, I mean, Jake, I go to him, I go, you remind you anybody? And he just went, me. I go, Fu Manchu and all. Yeah. And there's so many things from what he's wearing, you know, like you never wore a hat like that. No. Um, and I don't know if I told you this, Conrad, or if I mentioned it before, but I've read the original script to this, just script one, the opening script, which is a little hokey, you know, and just trying to get people to understand what wrestling is because wrestling is its own animal. But the only person that I loved in the opening script was this Wild Bill character. So, you know, I'm thinking, I, I know one of the producing partners on this show, and I, you know, I got a hold of her, and we were texting. I said, I am that guy. Like, I can play that guy. I can kill it. And then after I look at someone like Chris Bauer come out there and, and play that character, 
he was born to play that character. Yeah, he was. You know, he really was. And he brings all his own, you know, stuff. And I'm sure he studied Jake and a few of the other boys. You ever check his eyes out, man? His eyes look weird. He, he, he his intensity. Oh, it's that yeah. intensity, he man. And, and he, he reminds me, like, I can remember being when I first started, you know, down the power plant. And Ole was down there a lot because oh, he wasn't in any kind of power back then. But he was down there and working with the guys. And at one point, he was talking to me about psychology. And then he started putting his finger in my chest and, like, you know, like, talking smack to me i'm thinking is this a shoot or is this is, is he working me or what but you know it was just you know he he elevated it was that moment right there that helped me see something because remember i'm just starting and how the intensity and it became real 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 fast now all he was just showing me you know explaining to me but he was explaining to me where the shit's real and it gets real, real fast. And that's what I see in Chris Bauer. That's his, that's his last name, right? Yep. B-A-U-R. Um, he, he really, he's one of us. Oh, yeah. And boy, at the at the end, I <laughs> the end of that episode where he's out on top of the motel. Yeah. And this is why I brought this up. With him jumping up and down and talking shit. He's got one boot on and one boot off. Now, Jake, I'm going to go back because you guys got away with a lot more shit than we ever did. Yeah. You know how I came up. Yeah. Tell me something like a, a story from that might, might have a reference to, you know, something that how you crazy you can get. Yeah, how crazy you can get. Let's go back to Dusty Rhodes then. Oh, my God. Dusty Rhodes... Went to Minnesota, him and Murdoch. Oh, and, God, those two together. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they bought a horse. And they had the trailer, but it come a big snowstorm, you know? And they were freaking out because the horse is in the trailer and it's cold as hell outside. What were we going to do? What are we going to do? What did they do? They snuck it in to the Hilton. <laughs> 16 floors up into their room. True story. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to keep the horse warm. Yes. Yes. You know, I'm sure there might have been a couple of beers in there no, somewhere. Oh, you don't think, do you? Well, uh, you know, the outlaws, the original, yeah, the outlaws, the original outlaws. That's about as far as you can go. I can't top that. I mean, I've done some pretty ridiculous stuff in hotels, you know, with the snake and everything. And, tearing up a toilet and you know that snake is so strong it would wrap around the the shower rod and break that off then it'd go over to the toilet and wrap around the base of the toilet and then grab hold of something else and pull and break the toilet off i mean i've had water coming out of the toilet and you know and i call downstairs and say you know my snake broke the toilet they're like yeah right <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, they when come I come up and they find out that there's actually water going on two floors down below when, my room. When I first started going on the road, because Dusty got me on TV pretty quickly, and you know I'm, I'm doing, I'm just doing filling for guys to get sick or whatever. He puts me on, but I end up in the car for a week with Murdoch. Oh God! And Slater, Dick Slater. Wow. And we are down near El Paso and we roll over into, it wasn't Juarez. I can't remember what town it was in Mexico, but Dick Murdoch, he could have been, you might as, he might as well have been Hulk Hogan because 
everybody knew him oh, and had respected him and was afraid of him. And he took me to somewhere I never want to ever go back again. The strip joints of Mexico. Oh, whoa, oh, oh. whoa. They were brutal. Oh. They were, I just couldn't believe that these women were there and guys were tipping them and they were made, I mean, like, you know, you come, you come to Atlanta in 1990, 1991, and Jake's ex-father-in-law owns a place called the Cheetah. The first time I ever went there, I went there with Raven. And when I walked in the place, this is 1990, 91. If these girls aren't making 1500 to $2,000 a night, they're pissed. It's like you shook a Playboy in a penthouse yeah. from back in the day, yeah. and they landed on the, yeah. on the, uh, the, uh, all the, the bars. All 10, man. Yeah, I mean, like, it was mind-boggling. Yeah, not just four or five. No, all of them. Yeah. I mean, even in the afternoon shift. And, again, the reason why we used to go to strip joints because we didn't get bothered as much. You know, that's the only reason. <laughs> and so, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah, trust you. Uh, but to go to these strip joints in Mexico oh. was ridiculous. Oh, oh, my God. But did you like the donkey? Yeah, uh, but I, I missed that show. I missed that. I missed that show. So just getting around, going back to Wild Bill. You know, I could see him. Through, oh, yeah. Him and Murdoch would have been partners. Yeah, and I could see him through all this. And... um I'm going to throw the flag. I heard flew it last week. Anyway, the stuff that would have happened on that airplane never would have happened, you know, especially post 9-11. And no one ever, you know, calls a C word to a woman. No, God. Period. Never mind one who works for the office. No. no. Like, poof, you'd have got your ass kicked on the way out on top of getting fired. So, you know. Contract out on you. There's times they're taking liberties where we're, yeah. you know, where we remember them, we're going to throw the flag. So that was last week's night. I thought it was really good. And the, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I love how it's like it's it's coming. You know, it's not becoming a wrestling show. It's kind of like the Sopranos were about the mob, but it really wasn't. It was about the family and, and the shit that Tony Soprano was going through. And you know, I, look, I look at Jack. And like, I totally see a promoter who's got his heart and his soul in this. Emil, you can tell that that Stephen Emil, he loves our business enough to to make this happen. You know, and he's had a hell of a run. When you get 10 years as a green arrow, you really probably never have to work again. But in this scenario here, he loves what he's doing. I, you know, he, like I mentioned before, he's, he wrestled it. I believe it was all in. Which one did he wrestle at? Was it all in? Yeah. 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 The original he wrestled one. wrestled all in. And, you know, he did a hell of a job. And But as the promoter, his father, Tom, and the stuff that they went through, like, you can feel it, right, Jake? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. It connects you in the heart. And that's what I'm getting excited about the show is, is they're doing the backfill where they give you the story behind the story. You know, what made these guys become this? Well, here's what happened before. And that's what you do in a great a great promotion. You don't just put a guy out there and say, bah, that's it. No, you got to have some backfill. You got to have some storylines in there. And they're filling these things in, and they're really stretching these people out. The reason they're doing that is that way they can go a million different ways. Right, right. You know, you can't call it now because you're not sure. Right. right, you're not sure, and that's why I got the hook in the mouth, man, because they've got me. 
And even even the Rooster, uh, I mean, Rooster is a great character, and you can t- that guy looked like he's he's worked before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't I don't know either that or he was a huge fan and he picked it up really quickly. Yeah. Um, but I like the under, you know, the uh, bottom of the card guys trying to get up. Most guys respecting, hey, you'll get your chance someday. Yeah, being gonna, put off, being put off, but, being put yeah, off. Yeah, but that rooster, man, he wants, you know, he's got an angle. He's got an idea. You know, I, I love the way they're playing him. And I find him, you know, very believable in that, you know, one of the guys who would be trying to do it. Reminds me kind of a raven to a certain degree. Absolutely. You know, because you know, it does happen that way, man. There's a lot of great, great talent that never gets the opportunity. Right. Because that's just the way the cards fall, man. That's my only bitch about wrestling is it doesn't matter how good you are. It matters who who pointed the finger at you. Yeah, and how how much they think. Like, if you look at my career, and, you know, I can remember Dusty over the years going, you know, I don't know how you got this far. You know, because he had no hand in any of it except for the opening. Well, I got myself in the AWA, as you know, if you if you watched earlier episodes. But after that, it was Dusty opening a door for me and a door for me because he really liked me. Now, I never thought of me as the wrestler until much, much later. But as I continue to grow and they ain't going to fire the dream, they gonna fire American Dream because they don't want him up in New York. And coming up with some new idea. So it's kind of like when in Hollywood, they'll buy scripts. They'll buy a script and it gets shelved. And the writer's all excited. We're going to get this big opportunity. They're going to make my movie. No, they're not. Uh, they paid you a million dollars because they're going to make it go away. And what, you know, what they're doing here with, you know, with this, this whole this whole story that they're, that they're telling, you know, it's so interrelatable. Like I look at my career, if I don't come up with this, the diamond cutter sign, if I don't come up with a, a, a finish that is, you know, as close to the DDT because of the instantaneous and anyone, you could take it on anyone and you could come up with different ways into it. If I don't have that and out of it, right. And out of it. You know, it never happens, but mainly, and I thanked everybody at the Hall of Fame, and I said to fans, I said, a lot of you don't know this, but you had everything to do with me getting a little more, a little more, a little more, because when you throw that sign up and 500 people throw it up and then 1,000 and 5,000 and then 20,000. And then you see it on the NFL where the players are doing it on TV. Right. You know, it's like Herschel Walker was the first one to do it in the end zone after he got through. And it was funny because I I I had no, I didn't know. There was going, my buddy Smokey's going, no, he did the diamond cutter. He did the diamond cutter. He goes, I don't know. He kind of put the ball in between and did the, you know, so uh, I had a friend of mine and Herschel Walker that next year was going to be on this show. And he called me up and his, uh, and, and Greg called me up and he said, uh, hey, the, uh, I'm going to have Herschel Walker on. You want to stay in the wings? And I'll ask him, did he do the, the actual diamond cutter? And I said, dude, I would love that. And Herschel came on and I'm sitting in the wings and he asked him and he said, you know, I'm a big fan of wrestling, a big fan of Diamond Dallas Page and love his energy. And that was his last. I think he caught a, you know, uh, know, a pass that was like, uh, you know, down and out. And then he ran 67 yards in for the touchdown or something like that. It was for a hell of a run. 
And uh, he put the ball in between, and I just felt the bang. I did the bang and everything. He goes, oh, we got DDP in the wings right here. He's like, no kidding. And that's how I met him, and uh, it was pretty cool. Water tower moment. Water tower. Oh, <laughs> big water tower moment. There. Absolutely. Yo, big, yo, big, 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 big water tower moment. You know, some of the stuff they're starting to, I mean, the rooster, for instance. Right. You know that there's going to be something big happen with him because they're starting to bait it. You know, they brought the guy in that uh, offered him another job, you know, yada, 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 but he turned it down. And by the way, $1,000 on the ground. I'm picking it up. Right, anyway, right, and, right, uh, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I, I, I might not go to work for that son of a bitch, but I'm still picking Take that money. money up. Take the money. But, but uh, yeah, they're painting, they're starting to paint that in, and you know that that's going to be a big storyline coming up. I right. guarantee you. Alan Maldonado is the, the actor. I think I'd say, say his name. But again, really believable. As I always look at it, do I believe that, that that guy's in the locker room? And pretty much all of them, yeah. you know, they've got a really great cast, yeah. you know, that they put together with this. So, uh, again, for me, for uh, the finish of the of the show, I'll just say I love the way like the, the match that Ace is going into, you know, with uh, I believe it's Bobby. Yep. Um, yeah. The um, how they play the music, it's nothing like our entrance music. No, you know, it's this Hollywood theatrical thing they're doing, and I think it really works. I think it really works. Almost, almost drop that, that <laughs> drop that DDPY cup, <laughs> throw the flag. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about. How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about, protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Jake, what were your notes this week about the episode? Did you have any notes about heels? 
I, I liked I liked what they've done with uh, with the girl. Uh, oh, I love that, Crystal. Yeah. Crystal, yeah, she's such the part she's playing, man. She is a wrestling writer. She's a performer, and you know how many times has two women caused problems in the ring? Mm. Yeah, um, I, I could mention. Several instances, but uh, Brett, I mean, no, no, I'm not going to go there. Well, her name is Kelly uh, Berglund. Yeah, and she plays a terrific part. She's yeah. very smart in the movie, and she sees Ace being a heel. She sees yes. other things, but Ace screwed up when he, uh, you know, ditched her and went with somebody else. Man, you don't do that to women, man, and expect not something to happen bad to you. And something bad <laughs> did happen. She cut a promo on his ass, man, that wound up causing a serious injury. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, there have been instances in the ring where two guys just hated each other because of a woman that things bad happen. You know, like uh, maybe the famous uh, Bret Hart getting counted in and down and, you know, the screw job, you know, what's the name of this episode we're doing? Swerve. Swerve. Okay. There you go. But, uh, you know, uh, the bull, he tells you to seize the moment and make it your time. Grab the bull by the horns. If you will, we've all heard that expression, right? Yeah. Sometimes you get the horn, you know, so you got to be careful how you grab that bullet. And sometimes it winds up getting somebody hurt that had nothing to do with it. Yes. You know, and uh, that, that has happened in wrestling several times too. You know, uh, the innocent guy winds up getting screwed over or hurt as Bobby did. And he got a serious injury, you know, the leg thing, you know, and, uh, um, there are guys that get hurt in the ring. Um, some of them were intentional. Um, I'll, I'll go back to, uh, let's save that for next week. So we don't, so we don't, don't give it totally away. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I want to go too far into it. Just check it out. And uh, again, these guys ain't paying us to say this shit. <laughs> let's, let's talk about one, one thing I got to talk about. And, and that's the cage match they're alluding to. And what I want to bring up is this, folks. Vince McMahon, for all the good he did in wrestling, he ruined the cage match. Yes, he did. When he made the cage match, the finish, you had to escape the cage. That was the whole reason you had the cage. You had the cage to keep that chicken shit in the ring with you so you could get even with him and so you could keep other people out. Mm. And Vince ruined the whole damn thing. The first one that escapes the cage is the winner. Are you serious? That blows off all the heat. Sorry, Vince. You really throw a flag on that shit. Two flags. <laughs> Kick you out of the game. Yeah, that's seriously. That's I, I remember all the years that I worked and when I went up there and they changed that. I was like, oh, my God. What are you thinking? And I still don't get what they were thinking. And I don't think I ever will. So there, that's that.
Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? Check out betterhelp.com slash DDP snake. Better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They'll allow you to connect in a safe and private online environment. It really is so convenient and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and they've even got financial aid available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Find the particular expertise you need online. Don't limit yourself to counselors located near you. By the way, licensed professional counselors are also there who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and even self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. It's convenient. It's professional. It's affordable. And we recommend you check out their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com. And by the way, BetterHelp has been such a sensation and so helpful across all of America that they're now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash DDP snake. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. H E L P dot com slash DDP snake. That's better H E L P dot com slash DDP snake. And we thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. We, I wanted to, uh, sort of adjust gear here a little bit. We talked about DDP's origin story in wrestling, really in episode one. And then last week, when we were fortunate enough to catch up with Mr. Crockett, we saw Jake telling stories about the good old days. And I even saw DDP sort of slump back in his chair and say, I didn't know you started like that. Jake, we never really got your origin story of professional wrestling. How did you get into wrestling? And uh, you know, we know your dad was in wrestling, but why was this the profession for you? Well, my father never was around me much, you know, uh, it wasn't a good situation. Some bad things happened with me and his, um, wife, um, sexually abused me and um so i didn't live with him i didn't i wasn't around him much at all my father never came to a ball game never came to a graduation none of that stuff and uh you know i, I always wanted my father to love me i mean i dreamed every night of my father riding in to, to save me and to be on a white stud and come in and grab me and we'd ride off into the sunset you know shane shane right. come back you know never happened so when I graduated high school, I had made up my mind I wanted to be an architect. That was my dream. But I was so pissed off that he had not come to my graduation because I was the first kid in our family to ever graduate high school. You know, and I did it with honors. I went down to visit him in Louisiana and told him, hey, I graduated high school, by the way. I know you missed it. Yeah, I had to work. You know, that was always the word. And... uh he just told me, well, I hope you don't want anything from me. You're going to college? He said, well, I hope you don't need anything from me. I said, well, you haven't given me anything yet anyway. I said, what the hell? And uh, 
a few nights later, I went to a wrestling match and um, I was drinking heavily because I was angry. My father had not given me the words I wanted, like, I'm proud of you. That's all I wanted. I'm proud of you, son. You know, I want to be embraced. I want to be loved. And I went to the wrestling match. I got drunk and uh, alcohol and ignorance and youth go hand in hand. So I wound up challenging a wrestler because I thought if I got in the ring and beat up a wrestler, my dad would have to be proud of me. You know, I was 18, man. I was ready to go. Alcohol makes you ready to go anyway. Well, thank God the guy knew who I was because he could have really hurt me. But instead, he stretched me for about 10 minutes, made me piss myself, made me pass out, did all sorts of horrible things to me. And basically, I crawled back to the locker room crying. And my father looked down at me and he said, you're gutless. I'm ashamed of you and you'll never amount to anything. And walked away. I remember that night still like yesterday. I went back to his house and laid in bed and prayed to the devil. Because I didn't think God should let anything happen like that. And I prayed, told the devil I'd do anything for him if he would just help me get to the top and make my father eat his words. And uh, I told my father I was going to get into wrestling, and he laughed at me. Are you kidding me? He took me out in the backyard, and he gave me three chops that I still remember and told me I didn't have the guts for it. Maybe that was his way of inspiring me. I don't know, but it made me hate Had you been a wrestling fan as a kid at all? No, I hated wrestling as a kid because wrestling was what I thought kept my father away from me. Right. You know, and back then, you know, it was all kayfabe, brother. And uh, if he got his neck hurt, he worked it at home. Mm. And it scared us kids half to death. You know, I remember living with my grandmother. Every time the phone would ring, I'd just clench my fist and hold my breath, hoping that it wasn't them calling saying that the assassins, Jody Hamilton, Tom Resto, and beat him up and and hurt him for good. And no, I didn't, I hated wrestling because I I thought wrestling was the bad part of my father's life. It wasn't that my father was the bad. And, um, so it came down to me saying that. And then a couple of days later, I would still at his house the phone rings and it's him and my stepmother gives me the phone and he says, do you have a white shirt? Yeah. Do you have any black pants? No. Do you have any dark pants? Yeah. All right. Luke's going to pick you up in about 15 minutes. You're going to Alexandria tonight. You're going to referee. What? But dad, I don't know. And click, he hangs up on me. So Luke was Luke Brown, his ex-tag team partner when they were the Kentuckians. And now he's setting the rings up for Bill Watts and stuff and referee and some. So he picks me up. I am scared to death. How old are you then, Jerry? 18. 18. And I thought wrestling was a real. It was a shoot, you know? And, uh, man, I remember riding to Alexander. I'm like, look. Look, what, what what do I do if I, you know if, if a guy's like you know going for his eye or something? He said, "Well, you can count them." I'm like, 
count them. You say, one, two, three, four, you, know, you disqualify on five. So, okay, how fast do I do that? I mean, if he's really hurting, can I count faster? He's like, what are you talking about? He said, not unless it's the finish. I'm like, what? What do you mean finish? He goes, are you Smizart? Smizart? What's Smizart? He said, Jay Fable, huh? He goes, oh, my God. He pulled the truck over. He says, son, wrestling's fake. He said that? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> and it broke my heart. I didn't talk the rest of the trip. Man. I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. You know, he, he, he ruined my whole life right then. What are you waiting for? Hurry up and go to savewithconrad.com. Hurry up and start saving money. That's what we're talking about. Keeping more of your own money. That really is what we do with savewithconrad.com. How's this for starters? No house payments for two months. And when it comes time for you to start making payments two months from now, it's going to be the best deal you ever had. You see, not only are we going to get you the best interest rate you ever had, we're also going to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. Now you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. But if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. And I'm sure you know, by now your house is worth more than ever before. Why not use that newfound equity to get rid of your private mortgage insurance? That PMI, as we like to call it, could save you hundreds of dollars each and every month, and you could be paying it unnecessarily. Stop giving your money away. Get rid of your PMI, get the best rate you ever had. And Hey, if you've got credit card debt, what are you doing? The average interest rate is over 19% on credit cards in America, and you know you can do better than that. Plus, the interest you pay on a credit card is not tax deductible. So not only can we get you a better rate, but a greater tax deduction too. If you can get a lower monthly payment and a greater tax deduction and save tens of thousands of dollars by paying your house off faster, why wouldn't you? Hurry, find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And that's right. Don't forget, skip your next two payments at savewithconrad.com. Not necessarily because you wanted to believe and you were a big fan, but because you realized your dad didn't have to handle you the way he did your entire life. He betrayed me. Yeah. He let me suffer. Yeah. So many times. My father one time did a, was bleeding really heavily in a match with uh, the great Bolo, uh, back in the day. And, uh, it was in, in uh, Oklahoma City. So it's 145 miles home of curving roads through the mountains. My father is bleeding so bad that when he gets in the car, he starts bleeding again. And he pulls over. I'm 12 years old. Now, I had driven a truck before because my grandfather would take me out to his job, which was building fences and stuff, and he would get drunk. And I'd have to drive the truck home for us, but I, you know, I'd put it in first gear and just go, you know, miserable trip for him, but I'd get us home. But now my father's telling me, son, I don't think I'm going to make it. You're going to have to drive. If I pass out, son, just try to get me to the hospital. What? Well, what do we go to the hospital? Right up here in this next town. No, son, I, I don't want to die there. I want to die at home. The old man's fucking with me. He is time. fucking with me so bad, man. And I, I look back and I can remember him reaching over and grabbing the wheel sometimes when I'd be going off the road, you mm -hmm. know. He saved our asses there. 
but that's the kind of shit I'd went through. So here I am going to referee for the first time and thinking it was real. And I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. And I get in the ring and the fans thought I was the best damned referee of all time. Cause brother, I call shit that I didn't see. I call shit that I felt was wrong. I even disqualified a guy who wasn't supposed to be disqualified. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, I'd slow count the heels, you know, mm. and, uh, the fans loved me. Wrestlers hated me. Mm. And after about a week of this, they told, pulled me aside and said, look, if you're going to keep doing it that way, you're out of a job. You got to work with us. Mm. Again, this is all new to me, but I picked it up pretty quick, you know, and, uh, mm. I did that for about 10 months and then Bill Watts came back into the picture and, uh, I was, I don't mean to cut you off. How tall were you at 18? Are you still six, six at 18? No, no, I was six, three. Okay. Yeah. I'm not six, six. Now I'm six, four and a half soft, but you were six, six in a day, right? No, oh, I've never six, been soft. Six. <laughs> yeah. six, five. You got that. Huh? Yeah. I got it. You folks at home. <laughs> you need some uh, reference to that go to wild bill <laughs> uh, yeah man it, it was tough man and so when i got into wrestling the only thing i'd ever done is set up a ring and run, and ran the ropes some and learned how to hit turnbuckles from bob sweetan and uh learned how to run the ropes from bob sweetan and i remember running those ropes so much that mm. When it came time to referee that night, I had to referee with my left hand because my I couldn't raise my right arm. People don't realize that, man. Those ropes those cut ropes. you, man. Those ropes. They are brutal. They'll bruise you up. Man, I, I was I turned purple, green, all sorts of color, black. Up and down. I thought when it turned green, I was rotting, you know? And it was pretty rough. But then I just I, I did the, I got into wrestling the worst way you could by the trial and error method. And uh, that caused me some injuries right off the bat. You know, uh, I folded this wrist here over to my arm, which is not a good thing. And had to have surgery about about a year in, about a year in. And and I was horrible. Uh, I I, I vapor locked when I'd get in the ring. You could talk to me all damn day. But when I got in the ring and they rang the bell, I became the stick man. You couldn't bend my arms. You couldn't do shit. So my matches were usually about five to seven minutes of me getting hammered because the heel gets so pissed off and he couldn't <laughs> do anything with me. And they just knocked the shit out of me, you know. But uh, then I went down, to, I went several places and I'd last about six weeks to two months and I'd get fired because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, uh, you know, my father was calling places, telling him not to use me. And then I went to Eddie Graham and uh, that's when they first, Really, somebody started to really try to help me, and I'll never forget the man that, that helped me a lot. Was uh, couldn't speak a word of English. Hero, one uh, hero, Matsuda. It was a. I can't now. My brain had a brain fart. I just forgot the guy's name, but a Japanese. Here, uh, no, no, I hear Matsuda. No, it wasn't Matsuda. Matsuda came to me and he told me, he "says You'll make it in wrestling when you get hungry enough." Like hungry enough? Because yeah, you're gonna have to starve first. I didn't understand that, but it was the truth. When you can't put food on the table, you'll start working harder. And uh, the, the the kid that took me into the ring and uh, the Japanese gentleman, and he took me in the ring and worked with me a couple of times. He helped me a lot. Then I went in, 
to wound up in Kansas City with Buck Robley. Now, Buck had been called by my father and told not to use me. But my father and Buck Robley butted heads all the time. Because <laughs> he was a booker in Louisiana for a while. And uh, he tried to uh, take the territory from Bill Watts. And that was exciting. But uh, with the Freebirds and uh, Paul Orndorff, DiBiase, and Dr. Death. But anyway, uh, they butted heads. And, and so Buck gave me a job in Kansas City. He kept me off television. That way I was able to stay there longer because I was so bad. And uh, then the biggest thing happened to me to get me started. And uh, what had happened was it was Wednesday morning. I knew that I wasn't going to be on TV because I'd never been on television for Buck. And um, he calls me. I, he lived above me in an apartment complex and uh, told me to come up to his apartment. I went up there and said, yeah, Buck, what do you need? He goes, sit down. I sat down. And he says, roll me a joint. So I rolled him a joint, light it. I lit it. Roll me another one. Okay. <laughs> roll another one. Light it. <laughs> hey, man. You know, we're getting yeah, and he's like, you're good, because uh, you need to go up and get your gear. You're wrestling on TV today. Oh, no, I'm not either. Yeah, you are. Oh, no, uh, you messing with me, bud. You know, and I, I went up and got my gear, and I did, and I had the best damn match ever of my young career. And simply because I forgot who I was, I just went out there and acted and reacted to what was going on in the ring. You know, I showed I showed enthusiasm. I showed fire because I was stoned out of my mind. <laughs> well, you weren't in your head. You no. got out of your head. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. This year, it's time to get off the couch and get back into the bedroom. Blue Shoe can help. Guys, we know that confidence can take you far in life. And when you feel confident, you're at your best, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And guys, I've heard the lady say there's nothing sexier than confidence. Well, Blue Chew can help give you that confidence you need where it counts. And if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free and use our special promo code DDP snake at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is DDP snake to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring today's podcast. So when our, with the next day bucks is that was great yesterday. He goes, I'm going to give you some advice. You can take it or leave it. He goes, you know, it's time for you to move on now. He said, we're having a hard time finding a place for you to go. <clears throat> and you know why? So he said, what you need to do is go someplace where nobody knows you. And you don't know any of them. And you can, on this road trip to that, you need to drive in your car 
and think about who you want to be and how he would wrestle and what he would do in all sorts of situations. You need to cut promos on yourself, looking in the rearview mirror. So, damn, Buck, where am I going? Mm-hmm. Vancouver, British Columbia. Holy shit, where's that at? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a two-day drive, man, of hard driving. And But uh, on the way, I... I started picturing myself as a, as a character and uh, how I'd react and what I would do. And I started remembering, you know, things that I liked in other wrestlers. And that's what all young guys should do. He started saying, hey, I want to steal that. And I want to steal that. And I want to do a little Dusty here and a little Dick Murdoch there, right. you know, and, and created my character. And that's how it happened for me. And whenever I got to Vancouver, the reason I was sent to Vancouver is Nobody wanted to go back. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would go there. Because, number one, you're working in Canada getting Canadian money, which was worth like, you know, 75 cents on the dollar. And they, yeah. <laughs> and, and they weren't paying but like 400 a week. 400 a week wrestling seven days. And, uh, but it gave me the opportunity to wrestle every day. And, the guys I were wrestling were either as green as I was, or they were beat up guys that drank too much or did something wrong and just didn't ever got a break or whatever. And, and they were there. And uh, I was very lucky to run into a guy named Moose Morowski. That was my first uh, chance to meet Iron Mike Hammer. That was my first opportunity to meet the Iron Sheik. Mm. Sheik and I used to drive on the trips a lot. And, uh, that was an experience, to, to say the least. <laughs> uh, back then, he wasn't quite the way he was in WWE, but he was still out there a long ways. And, uh, he had quite a temper. And, he was uh, a bad son of a bitch, yeah, too, he wasn't was, he? Yeah, he He's only about 215 pounds at the time, but he was rock hard. He'd take those damned Indian clubs and just work them things. Hell, I couldn't pick one up over my head, much less twirl them and pitch them and stuff mm. the way he did. Incredibly strong. He was an incredible athlete. People don't realize that, man. He was an Olympic athlete. You know, and, and to become an Olympic athlete, he had to defect from his home country and go to Russia. Really? And join, the, and join the Russian military. Really? Yes, sir. And then after he got through, he wanted to go home. <clears throat> So what do you have to do? Defect again. <laughs> he defected from the Russian military and came back to Iran, where the Shah of Iran at the time right. was in power, and he made the Iron Sheik his personal bodyguard yeah, because he was yeah. he was a he was an icon, you know. And then whenever he got overturned, they grabbed uh, the people, his family and stuff, and came to the U.S. and uh, defected again. <laughs> He's a defected son of a bitch. But, uh, yeah, quite the story, man, that he has. And uh, people don't realize the hardships that he went through. But, yeah, that was my beginning, man. And uh, had it not been for Buck Robley, I wouldn't have lasted much longer. But uh, going to Vancouver gave me the opportunity to work. And uh, I... I got it pretty quick. So where where did you get your first like real break? I, I remember we're there. Talking. So break, but is did you actually were you Jake Robertson? Jake the Snake yet? 
Oh, it's Jake Roberts. That's Jake it. Roberts. Did you always wrestle as Jake Roberts or did you have another no, name? I just wrestled as Jake Smith for a while. I even tried being one of the Kentuckians for a while with a beard. Me and Luke Brown, my dad's ex-tag team partner, tried that for a short time in uh, lovely uh, Nick Goulas' territory in Tennessee. <laughs> and that was an experience that I won't forget. And I remember wrestling in Memphis for Jerry Lawler and them. And uh, I lasted uh, five weeks there. And I went to them and told them I was leaving. And they said, why are you leaving? And I said, well, I didn't bring enough money, <laughs> you know? Uh, I was making, you know, 15, $20 a night, you know, and, uh, those were tough times, man. I want to ask, uh, uh, to go back to, to Florida is the fellow who trained you, the Japanese gentleman was his name, Duke. No, 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 not, not Duke. Yumuka. Okay. I was scared to death of him. Okay. Cause I'd watched him in Dallas for a year with the stomach claw. Holy shit. What a sneaky, rotten son of a bitch. He was, <laughs> but he was a great man, a great, great man. He had a son that wrestled, you know? But, uh, Pat Tanaka, I went, right? I went, yeah, I went, was that, camp. wait a minute. Is that Pat Tanaka's dad? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Small world, yeah, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. He refereed too. See, they, dude, one, one of the greatest workers ever. He, he said, he said after his first match, his old man walked up over to him and he went, should have had your mother have an abortion. I'll tell you what, Pat, I learned so much from Pat. Oh yeah. He's he man. He, I don't know. Back then flyer. his knee, because his quad and his, she could do this with it. And that son of a bitch, he fucking wrestles. Yeah, he, I think he's still today. He's still going. Yeah, he does. Man. The fastest flat back bump ever. Yeah. Ever. Amazing stuff. Great. Him and Pat, him and Paul Diamond were great together. And yep. I learned a lot from those guys. And Patty and I were really good buddies. See, Still I, went, talk to them. I went from Calgary to Japan for eight weeks. And then oh, that had to be some culture shock, dude. Oh, brother. <laughs> I didn't go for Baba. I didn't go for a Noki. I went for a territory uh, for a company called International Pro Wrestling of Japan. And they were known as Blood and Guts. Oh, God. They had a cage match every night, uh, which I was in most of them. Because I had uh, kind of misled them about my size. I had learned a trick on taking pictures. <laughs> that if you step forward in the picture, you'll look much bigger than whoever's in the picture with you. Well, I took a picture with Andre. Oh. And when it come out, I look about that much shorter than Andre. I sent that to Japan. And I got booked immediately. <laughs> You know, they thought I was like seven one, seven two, <laughs> and I remember flying over. Man, I was so excited to get. You know, I'm gonna make the most money I've ever had in my life. You know, in in, in eight weeks, I'm gonna go home with you know ten thousand dollars. Are you? Oh my God, I can retire. You know, I mean, that's how excited I was. Yeah, right. <laughs> I get off the plane, and uh, I walk out, and I see all these guys with international pro wrestling on their jerseys and stuff, and I'm like, Hey, guys. No, and, and they keep looking by me and looking. Like, Who are you guys waiting for? And they're like, you know, they're, they're getting upset because this guy's not coming off the plane. And I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm Jake Roberts. And they went, and they look at the picture, they look at me and they go, what the. Uh, <laughs> 
Shit boy. Shit boy. That's my name. Shit boy. <laughs> because I'd misled them and uh, to get a job. But uh, yeah, it was it was quite the interesting trip. And then to go from there. How old do you think you were when you made that first trip to Japan? 22. 22 years old. Now, just to add context to this, no cell phones and you're over there. You don't speak a lick of English. I would get or Japanese. Nope. I would guess. Nope. Nope. And this has got to be the most, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. This has got to be the most challenging life circumstance so far. Right. Oh, it was, it was incredibly hard. And then to make matters worse, uh, well, that, that, was, that wasn't that trip. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, it was quite the culture shock, the food, uh, sake. Oh, hell no. Uh, the beds, you know, some of the hotels we stayed in weren't five-star hotels. Yeah, right. I'm sure. On mats <laughs> and I, I remember this is a horrible story to even tell, but I got to tell it because it was pretty funny. Actually, we went out some sponsors had taken us out to eat. We got pretty messed up and they hit us with all this sake at the end. You know, they give you cold sake, cold sake, cold sake. And then the last one's hot. And brother, when that son of a bitch hit my stomach, it exploded. And I just went, boom, down. Well, they carried me to the hotel, put me in the room. Well, I don't know what time of the night it was, but I woke up and I've got a shit. (laughs) And I've got a shit right now. And I don't know where the fucking bathroom's at. <laughs> so I'm looking, you know, and, and it's a big room. There's mats in it, and there's like 20 wrestlers in there. I'm stepping on people, and I'm searching, and finally somebody points me that way. And so I go out in the hall, and I'm looking. I'm trying to get into doors. They're locked. I open one room. People are laying in there sleeping. And I'm I'm, I'm going to shit right now. I'm going to shit right now. And I look down at the end of the hall and there's a sink. Oh, God. A sink that's about waist high. And I ran to that sink holding my ass. And I set my ass up on that sink. And it hit. It has a deep sink. It's obviously made for cleaning shit. It hit the bottom. It hit the bottom and hit the other side and went up in the air and rained back down on me. Oh, oh my God. Now, I'm so drunk that I don't even realize it. <sighs> I go back and lay down. Oh. Well, I woke up. Oh, my God. This is way worse than the cookie story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I woke up later, and I'm being screamed at by all the Japanese boys. They're calling me shit boy, shit boy. And I wake up. I've got shit all over me. Oh my oh my god. I'm so sick. Oh god, am I sick? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I went from that, just when you think it can't get worse, to Stampede Wrestling with Stu Hart. Oh my god. And the Hart family. And that was like being with the Munsters and the Adams family and the bikers from Hell's Angel all wrapped up in one because that was one hell of a trip and one hell of an experience. But <laughs> I'll be forever grateful for Stu Hart giving me that opportunity because, again, I was given the opportunity to work on top. Mm. And as we both know, working on top is completely different than working underneath. Sure. And uh, I had a knack for it. Uh, people seemed to gravitate towards me. They liked my interviews. 
they felt really good with that. I mean, I, 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 I want to stop you right there. Who are your influences on interviews? Because when people think about Jake, the snake Roberts, sure. They think of the DDT, but the psychology of drawing them in and making them care and your promos and people still play that WrestleMania promo with you and DiBiase on the regular yeah. on social media, Yeah. who are your influences and who helped teach you that piece of the business? I did that myself. Uh, and the reason being with my voice, I had a knee dropped in my throat very early and it crushed my voice box. Mm. So I can't yell. If I try to yell, nothing comes out, nothing comes out. And I caught on pretty early that if you're screaming at people like everybody else, I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep that intensity for a long period of time with my voice. Mm -hmm. So I had to go low, but then I also figured it out that if you go low, it entices people to listen. Yes. You know, and, uh, I mean, I, I tell kids today, if you go into a crowded room of a hundred people and you start screaming, people just laugh at you, blow you off. But if you go into a crowded room and you grab one person, you go, I got a secret. I got to tell you. Everybody in the damn room wants to lean over and hear this shit. So that kind of made me think, huh? All right. All right. And I just didn't, I wanted to make people think on my interviews. I mean, Terry Funk, I guess, influenced me some, you know, and, I could see and of course, Dusty. Yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, Dusty influenced everybody. But Terry Funk, probably more than, than most. Yeah. You know, I got, I got to tell you, when, when I go back, going back to when, you know, when I was 23 and I had those three matches, I stopped wrestling. Then WrestleMania came and blew through the roof. And I stopped watching for years, years. When I watched Jake for that first time, you know, because I was going through the channels and caught Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon, and then Jake comes out, and I'm watching him, and I can't see through his shit, you know, and and he cuts that promo, and I'm, I go, I call my buddy John Shipley, who we broke in together, you know, trying in the beginning. He lasted a couple of years, you know, as a uh, a jobber, and uh, I called him up. I go, bro. You seen Jake Roberts in the ring? He's like, yeah, man, he's fucking great. I go, that missed something. I mean, because his shit looks real. Like, because there's some shit that's real. He goes, don't be a mark, you stupid fuck. You know, like, but I was watching him as a fan at a time where it hadn't happened yet, where Vince didn't expose everything yet. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm thinking, well, man, maybe some of them are like, you know, stiffer, I know. But I think I couldn't see through it. And his promos were so real, you know. And then I thought, man, he sucked me right back in as a fan, you know. I just wanted to be different. And, uh, you know, Terry Funk, I remember seeing Terry Funk do an interview. And he's out. He's, Another guy you would believe was real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. He's, he's out, out he's, it's out in the country. And there's fields behind him and cameras there. He's like, Mr. Cameraman, you see all this land behind me? <laughs> Take a picture of that. Yeah, my daddy owns that land. Mr. Cameraman, please go to your to your right, my left. Look at that land. You see all that land over there? My daddy owns that land. Now, let's go to the right, your left. Check that out. Beautiful, ain't it? My daddy owns that too. Now turn your camera around. 
guy turns the camera around. You see all that land over there? All that? My daddy knows the guy that owns that land. Bottom line is, don't land anywhere near me. My daddy won't like it. And that was the end of his interview. What the fuck was that? But he, he made you listen because you didn't know what he was going to say. I don't think he knew what he was going to say I, sometimes. That, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's, so good. that's what taught me to not do it like everybody else. I, I couldn't I couldn't yell and scream like the other guys could. I, I couldn't hold that intensity for a two-minute interview. I just couldn't do it. So I had to go a different way, man. And uh, I went the quiet way, the whisper way. And uh, it worked pretty it worked. well. It worked. All right, let's run a timeout right now. Can't wait to tell you about a brand new product that changed my life in 2021. And I know it's going to change yours in 2022. It's Chili Sleep. Now listen up. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperature. We're talking temperature controlled sleep. That's going to restore your testosterone levels, repair your muscles after a hard day's work, and even improve your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Chili sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili sleep makes the Uller and cube sleep system, both hydro powered, both temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. And I mean it. My family has the Euler. I like to keep my bed around 60 degrees. My wife wants to climb into an 80 degree bed, but then once she's off to sleep, it automatically drops down to somewhere in the sixties that she likes it, but then it'll warm her up to wake her up. She doesn't have to go ahead and do that every night. She gets to set it and forget it. These luxury mattress pads, keep your bed at the perfect temperature all night long for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold or even both. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili sleep can make that happen. And for an extra layer of comfort, they also make the chili blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. This has been such a game changer in my life. As I'm talking to you right now, my wife and I are going on vacation tomorrow for her birthday we have a travel chili sleep. I'm not kidding. We have a chili sleep. We keep here at the house. And then we have one when we have to leave town. I don't want to sleep on a bed again without chili sleep. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash DDP snake to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for DD snake pit listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili C H I L I sleep.com forward slash DDP snake to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. That's jillysleep.com forward slash JDP snake. Now let's get back to the program. So when you were talking about going to Calgary from Japan, again, this is pre email. This is pre social media, pre cell phone. How in the world would Stu book you when you're in Japan? How does he even reach you to do that? He booked me from Vancouver because Vancouver's television went all across Canada. I see. See? It was on a CNE or whatever it is. So Stu had been watching me for some period of time. And um, it just seemed natural since I was that far north. I might as well get this one too. Yeah. That, and I didn't have a line of people asking for me. You know, nobody knew me. 
So, did you did you get the dungeon experience? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Went to the dungeons many a times, and I can tell you lots of stories. Sometime I lived with Bret Hart for a while. Wow, good guy. Uh, a really bad thing happened there with his dad, but uh, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> I had hurt my leg wrestling junkyard dog, who at the time was Sylvester Ritter, a black pimp. <laughs> that was his gimmick. And I wound up on the couch at Brett's house for about two weeks. And I was having to ice my leg 10 minutes every hour, 24 hours a day. And so I had this cute young lady taking care of me in lots of different ways. But anyway, uh, Brett and I were watching tapes. Of, of guys that had wrestled, and uh, one of them was Leo Burke, a great wrestler from Canada. In fact, I'd done a trip to Japan with him, and he had wrestled in, in uh, Calgary many times, and he used a sleeper hold. Well, at the time, I was using Dickie Steinborn, of all people, was the booker in Canada when I got my, my opportunity in Calgary. And he wanted my finish to be not just the sleeper, but the, check it out, folks, the quick sleeper. The quick sleeper? Yeah. Yeah. I could put you out in about four seconds. You know, that was the whole gimmick. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we're watching Leo Burke put people out with sleepers, and then somebody else put a sleeper on them, and how they get in and out of the sleeper, you know, different ways to do that. Well, Stu come over to check on me. And when he did... He's seen us watching those tapes. He goes, Leo's a hell of a wrestler. He's a son of a bitch. Yeah. A lot of respect for that young man. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that sleeper hold of his isn't bad. I'm like, it's not near nothing like mine. He goes, you're full of shit. He said, don't think for a minute that's fucking scaring anybody, especially me. I'm like, what the fuck do you have? Hey, let me tell you something. I can put you to sleep about eight different ways. The fuck you can. You're full of shit, man. Ain't no fucking way. Nobody has eight different ways to put a sleeper. And God almighty damn, man. Brett was laying in the floor and Stu just mauled him like an old bear. This is the first one. Latched it on and I don't know how he put his arms and shit. But man, Brett's legs were fucking flying and he's slapping the floor, and, you know, and out he goes. Stu gets up to one knee. And, yeah, that's the first one. And this next one, you watch how I apply this. Said, Wake up, son. And he slaps him. Oh, and as God. Brett starts coming to, and Brett, out again. About the fourth one. I don't know why he ain't putting this shit on you. <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm like up with my leg. Oh. See? I'm, like, oh. I'm injured. You're injured. That ain't stupid. <laughs> but now I've realized this is bad. This is real bad. Because Brett is bleeding out of his nose, his ears, and the corners of his eyes. And then Susan. <laughs> It, it, fucking Brett, he, he's so limber. I, this one I try to put on him, he just won't go out. So what you have to do is you just cup his mouth. Smothered him. Put him out again. 
So I had to distract Stu so Brett could crawl out of the room and get away from me. But Brett held that against me for a long time. <laughs> yeah, long time. I get why. <laughs> well, I had no you idea. were inciting his dad. I had no idea he was going to do that. <laughs> as big of a river as you are. I don't, no, live, I I don't, don't like believe, to be ripped. I don't believe you. <laughs> it just happened, man. It's the uh, right thing to do. I don't believe you. It, it was a great day. <laughs> see, I was up there with Dynamite Kid, a young Dynamite Kid. <laughs> a young Dynamite Kid. He was unfucking believable. I remember trying to get Bill Watts to hire him. And Bill Watts seen a picture of me. He's a fucking midget. That was it. Yeah, Bill, another one you blew. And Junkyard Dog, of course, left there with me and came to Louisiana and became the Junkyard Dog. And his career took off like a fucking rocket ship. But uh, there was some pretty decent talent up there. You know, I was there when Jim Neidhart broke in. That was quite, quite a fucking deal. God almighty. Stu <laughs> said, ever since this fucking asshole from California has come here, all my knives are turning black on the tips. What the hell's going on? And Jim was using them to heat hash. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And then Stu, here's a good one. Stu says, Jake, will you tell me, Jeff? What's that? He goes, what the hell's wrong with Nightheart? I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong with it? He goes, he can't shit. What? He can't shit? I love that story. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. And he says, yeah, he says, uh, he tells me the only reason he gets all branched out, that's why he goes smoking pot, branched right. out. Is that uh, he, he can't shit? Uh, he must have something internally wrong with his bowels. You know, I, his age, I, I could shit a fucking mile. I could do anything I wanted to. You know, and it was just insane. And what it happened? Nightheart told him that smoking weed relaxed him. It wasn't a laxative. It relaxed oh. him. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was pretty. pretty we'll, we'll, crazy. we'll call this episode the <laughs> shit, shit boy. Hey, so I'm Jake, sorry. you uh, you're starting oh, this venture God. when you're 18 years old, uh, and you know you never know what you can believe online. Were you married at 18? Did you get married real young as well? Or I was married very young, yeah. Uh, how how much of a strain is this to be making trips to Vancouver by car in Japan and now trying to survive a marriage? This is a lot on a young man. Yeah, it, 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 it didn't work. You know, the young lady I married, we, I did the right thing. She were, she was pregnant and, uh, wound up being married just a short time and, uh, was blessed with three children, a pair of identical twins and my oldest daughter, but, uh, the marriage never had a chance. We, we didn't have a whole lot in common and. When I got into wrestling, everything just took over. And, and, and just like the TV show, if you're going to wrestle, you, you devote 24 hours a day to it. And uh, I drug her around to all the town, uh, all the territories in, in the South. And uh, when I went to Vancouver, she she went back to Texas and stayed. And, uh, that was pretty much the beginning of the end of our marriage. And then we, we tried to get back together. For a short period of time, and when I did, I impregnated her again with the twins, and uh, it didn't last. It didn't last. Uh, she was a great woman, but she was she was a farm girl, man. She had been raised on a dairy farm, and I'm very grateful to 
her family for when I had the wrist injury, I was off for over a year, letting it heal. And uh, you got to eat. So her parents gave me a job on the dairy. And uh, you love the whole thing. I love I love the dairy thing, man. I, I love learning about the land and how to grow things and how to harvest things and, and learning how to um, inseminate cattle. You know how to change your herd by by using you know uh, artificial insemination. I learned a lot, man, and uh, forever grateful with that. And, That's uh, one of the things that Jake, when Jake moved in, when we did when we started the whole resurrection, Jake the Snake. When you're dealing with someone who has addiction issues and you're trying to get him off it, try to find things that actually he's very interested in. So we, from Jake's a builder, you know, so we got a bunch of different tools and yeah. stuff. He, he grew, he started the garden, you know, that we, you know, that we put all organic soil vegetables, in, yeah. you know, and then, uh, and grew vegetables and stuff, just we things like that. Furniture. Yeah. yeah for doing furniture and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it come, comes back from that those days, you know. And that's one of the reasons it worked. Uh, the reason, the whole reason I was able to get sober is because Dallas refused to give up on me. Even when I was absolutely sure that's the last shot I got, I'd fuck up. And Dallas would just, you know, he'd be angry, you know, and he'd let me know he was angry. And uh, Steve would let me know he was angry. Steve loved that. <laughs> you know, Dallas, like one time Dallas went to Mexico or something on a vacation and I had to fuck up while he was gone. You know, it's just meant to be. And I did. And Steve's like, Dallas is going to be so pissed off at you. And I thought that was it. And, but Dallas just refused to give up on me, man. And uh, each time that I failed, it just it crushed me. And it, it made me it hurt me. I didn't get over it by laughing it off. You know, I was, I was truly invested. I wanted to be clean, but my mind just wouldn't let me. And, uh, you know, I, Dallas encouraged me to not only be a big part of AA, but to get involved uh, with counseling, with therapy, a lot of talking, a lot of talking about shit that I didn't want to talk about. But that's the truth. If you really want to get yourself right, you've got to be honest with yourself. And the things that hurt you, you have to talk about. You've got to expose them to light. You can't stash this shit in the closet and it'll go away. It won't. All it'll do is just get bigger and stronger. And then when it attacks you again, it's going to knock your knees out from under you and have you on your knees begging to live. Until... You confront it face to face and talk about it. You know, nobody wants to talk about their worst moments, but you have to, man. You got to get that shit out of you. You got to forgive yourself. You got to accept and forgive yourself. And you have to get to a place where you start believing in yourself again. I didn't, you know, I'd, I'd given up on life. I'd give, I didn't want to live, man. It's too painful. So, the reason I made it was because he's so damned hard headed. <laughs> you know, and I'm forever grateful and, and, and will be. And, uh, well, the reason you made it in wrestling is because you were damn hard headed. And, yes, uh, I 
and, and you made it work. And that's probably why you guys get along so well. And you said, you know, the key to all this is you got to believe in yourself. Is it fair to say that Calgary's where you first started to believe in yourself or Vancouver rather? Yeah. Yeah. But that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing there though. But professionally but, though. Yeah. Professionally. That's, that's all great, but it's nothing. It's nothing compared to beginning to like yourself as a human being right? and being proud of yourself as a man. Uh, I the lesson I learned from my father was this families aren't like leave it to beaver. All right. That's not what real life's like. You cannot ask someone to love you a certain way. You have to accept whatever love they give you. And that's what I couldn't do. I, I wanted to be, I wanted certain things from my dad that he didn't know how to do. Right. Uh, he, he had a real problem, man. You know, he's a pedophile. And uh, that was hard to live with, man, because it was all around me and, and him. Uh, he was still doing it when I started wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, I'd lie for him. I'd, I looked the other way and that was wrong, you know, learning that, that I couldn't have somebody loved me the way that I wanted. I had to accept whatever they gave me. And then the, the biggest thing we're getting sober as far as that relationship went was accepting my dad for who he is, what he is, whatever. I'm going to love him regardless. That's just because he's my dad, but, but I don't have to like him as a man. And that's what I was able to do. The big, the biggest thing, and this goes for absolutely everything. You got to want it like Jake, because I could, it was easy for me to spell it out. I go, no, this is who you are when you're like this, you know, and he wouldn't look at anything. When we were filming resurrection, he wouldn't look at anything. And when the boys, and <clears throat> one of them, Nathan's behind the camera right now, he was there as we were putting this whole thing together. And the very first time we were down in Mexico doing a, a DDP uh, yoga retreat, and they showed me like the first, what the first chop was. And I got up halfway through, I go, this is not this movie. I go, this sucks. I go, we already have friggin' that other fucking fucked up movie about Jake. Yeah. You know, we don't need the drama. The drama is there. We don't need that. This is a resurrection. Every time he falls down, he gets a little better. He gets a little more belief in himself. He goes a little farther. And that's the shit that I would see. And so would Steve. Steve, one of the funniest moments so, was right in the beginning, that first week, like, Jake really is like when he comes to my house, stays with me for a couple of days or weeks or whatever the hell it is. I mean, my wife, Paige, my daughter, Brittany, everybody loves him there. He's super helpful. He'll clean up. He's the best. He's the best you know, guest you could have. Well, back then when we first moved in, he was that guy. And now he's going to go away on the road for that weekend, you know, to, to make a little money. And uh, Steve walked up to me and he said, you know, Jake's amazing and he's really doing, you know, really good for his first week in here. Everything he goes, 
there's no trauma. There's no, there's no, oh, yeah. no documentary. Oh, no, no, no. And I looked at him and I went, Remember you said, you said that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. didn't know. He didn't know. And he was such a nice guy. Uh, All he wants to do is help people. It's the way he shoot really is. And uh, that's the one part we're like that. After that, we're polar opposites, <laughs> you know, but we both love what it feels like. That's right. Tell everybody around the holidays when people get down, like help somebody. Help somebody, it's gonna make it's gonna make you feel better about you. Yes. If you do it consistently. And he started getting that right away. Yeah. Like he would go to home, like, we made a mistake occasionally in sending Jake to the you know Whole Foods grocery store to get, yeah, get what you know, get, get what we need, blah, blah, blah. 200 bucks in cheese. Yeah, right. Thousand <laughs> dollar bill later. Right, you ain't going to the store anymore. But he would walk up to people he would see that were hurt and say, hey, man, can I, can I share something with you? And he started talking about, you know, like what we were doing and stuff. And, you know, because once you start doing that, you just feel better about you, man. You know, it's an amazing feeling when you make a complete stranger smile. You know, and you're doing that all the time with Cameo now these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love doing my cameos, man. I have a blast doing it. I've already done some today, you know, it's like, uh, I get a chance to rib somebody or have some fun with somebody or congratulate somebody. I mean, I've, I've, I've had cameos from people that are in their eighties, a grandmother was 80 that, that loved wrestling and she still had one of my wrestling buddies, <laughs> you know, I actually sent her one of the new ones. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, anybody who goes, don't go to go go through iTunes for no. it. We won't, we won't okay we'll it. Screw you. Just go to cameo.com and look up me or Jake and check us out on Cameo. I guarantee you won't be uh you yeah. won't be disappointed. You can tell us what the uh the situation is and what you want, and we'll give it to you. We deliver. You know, one thing I want to mention too, because we start this in January. Now we're down, we're at the end of February here, and <clears throat> the positively unstoppable challenge. If you go to positivelyunstoppable.com, you can join that challenge. And you're going to find it's worth you can you have the opportunity to win a quarter of a million dollars. But there's guaranteed, and I put money up there, top person ends up with 25000 or he picks the right book, he gets a quarter of a million. But guaranteed twenty five grand. And then we've got a bunch of champions after that, that that we bring, you know, that have unbelievable transformations and we end up giving them money, but no one goes to that cop, that BDP, or I should say the uh, positively unstoppable.com for the money. They go there looking for hope. Yep. They go there looking for not just maybe change their life, but maybe own it. And uh, if you go to positively unstoppable.com, you can join our challenge. You can see what it's about. And you can get this shirt through AEW. <laughs> I love this, man. That's a really good snake. I was that looking at ass, man. That's yeah, that's ass. cool. My ex-wife come up with that. Well, how about that? Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. I'm, da- I'm, da- I'm dating my ex-wife. We divorced 24 years ago. and uh, It's the only woman you ever loved, dude. Yeah. It, it, there's hope, man. There's hope in every situation, man. And uh, I put that poor woman through hell. You did. Hell, man. And she loved me to death, and I put her through hell. I treated her like or good and bad. I treated her good, but I did bad things. Yeah. Not to her, but to myself. Right. 
I'm not one of these people that take it out on somebody else. I take it out on me. And uh, that's my biggest fault, probably. You don't do it anymore. No, no. This is a completely different cat. <laughs> you know, uh, it was really interesting this this last year when we brought all the people in for the Positively Unstoppable mm-hmm. Challenge, the, the champions. And the one guy you met, Jeremy Laundry, who was literally, literally bringing... He was where I was at. He was as dark as you could go. Yeah. He saw resurrection and he said, I'm going to do what he did. And turn that, turn his life around. Now he's yeah. like two years sober, but he's one of our finalists. He was unbelievable. And I was talking to his wife. Yeah, I did and, too. And then I was talking to Stephanie Kelly's husband, Dan, because she had such an unbelievable transformation. And they both said the same thing to me. But different. And when I was saying, man, it must be, you know, really great to have your, your husband back. And she's like, I don't know this guy. She's like, I've always taken care of him. Now he's taking care of me. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the change is like, I, I almost don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. Like that. And then I talked to Dan about Stephanie and he said, I don't know this woman. He goes, this is a super woman. This is a woman who believes in herself. This is a woman who can do anything. This is a woman really loves me. <laughs> you know, it's just, but it's, it's that, that, that transformation. Like, I don't know this, Jake. I just met him a couple of years ago. The number one thing leaving his place that he was staying in, when we went down to see him first to start resurrection, Steve, you and I were driving to Dallas airport. And he said, so what do you think? I said, I don't think I'll ever be able to have an ordinary conversation with my buddy anymore. Hmm. I think he's too far gone. And he was, I was, he was, but then once he got sober and it still wasn't one yeah. there, we got bits of conversations, Yeah. but then a little bit more and he got a little more sober. And that was, now we're having real conversations. Then like last three years, like, so what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And like, look at all these things that just happened for Jake. Yeah. Jake's doing better at 66 that he's doing at any time in his yeah. life. You know, so I love being at AEW. It's the greatest organization I've ever worked for. And Tony Khan, I love to death. I, I've walked through walls for that man. Uh, he showed me a lot. He showed me a lot. Uh, I love being a part of it. I, I love helping these young guys. You know, God bless them, man. I'm just so scared that they're going to get busted up doing all the crazy stuff that they do. And I'm trying to get into them and, and, and show them a, a better way, you know. Just taking that so, little bit of time yeah, in between them. Yeah, you know, less is a little bit more, you know, and uh, the art of selling and uh, understanding, you know, get into the, the mental game of it. Because not only do you work the mental game with your opponents, you work the mental game with all the fans. Sure. That's how you get them involved. You know, it's like making a baby face. How do you make a baby face? Well, you put him in impossible situations and you have him succeed mm. somehow, some way. That's how you make a top baby face. You put him in possible situations, yet he's still able to succeed. Does that make you the ultimate baby face? Because you were in the most impossible situation and yet here you are. I think I am. <laughs> I agree. I that, I the, uh, the, really, Jake is the first um, anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
he's the first one to do it. Steve Austin did it as good as you can do it. I feel I did it pretty good in the uh, in 97, 98. Uh, but Jake is the, you know, the first the first one of all of us, I think, yeah. that did what good and bad. He just walked that line. And we're excited to sit under the learning tree here, and uh, we'll do more of that next week right here on DDP Snake Pit. See ya. See ya.